0: Hi, welcome back to roll for enterprise This week, finally, all four of us have managed to align our calendars. So everyone's here, Zach, Mike, and Lilac. It's good to talk to you all again. Um, let's start with you, Lilac. You had some news.
1: did have some news. Um, my company, Rocket Software, uh, put out a press release on Monday that we have signed a definitive agreement to acquire ASG. Um, ASG is a 30-year-old software company with a really strong focus on enterprise content management um, which is kind of a, a relatively newish area for us here and it's a really exciting announcement.
0: So I should say we normally try to stay away from talking about our day jobs on the podcast because that can get a little bit messy but I thought talking about M&A in general was also something that might be interesting for, for the audience. So I've been on both sides. of being acquirer and acquiree, and I think most of us have at this point. Mm-hmm. But one of the interesting things about uh, doing M&A is also the relationship with the current users of the acquired product. And the good thing is that at least in the enterprise space, it's fairly rare that it's, uh, it's just purely an hire and we shut the tech down and never hear from it again. That's more of a consumer space thing. Oh, sorry, you like that app. It's gone now. Maybe, <laughs> maybe if you're lucky, the feature will show up inside of the main Facebook app, but probably not, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> the enterprise world tends to care a little bit more about keeping things going, at least in some form. But Mike, do you feel that that's true? Is there more nuance to that? It's
2: true and it isn't, actually. So, you know, sometimes there are products that we, we use as organizations that are quite niche or quite, um, you know, we keep it quiet because we think maybe it's a differentiator to some of our competition. And then when those get bought out, you're always worried like, okay, they're coming to shut it down or integrate it into something bigger. And yeah, th- then you've lost kind of the advantage of, of a product, but, but that's r- relatively rare. So I, I would say, I agree with your, with your comment, Dominic. I, I think what happens internally is at first it's, you know, a product you're using gets acquired by another company and it's like, oh, that's cool, right? Now we have this bigger company to deal with, okay. And um, maybe give it a week or a few days and then the realization sets in like, wait, what are they going to do with this? Are... And then you call your your account manager like, are you putting out a statement? What's the statement going to be like? What, what's going to happen to you? And of course, you know, you get these these pretty canned statements, I would say. And then there's, there's always the worry internally that, something happens, relationship changes, you know, maybe you were a big fish in, in this pond, now you're a, a small fish to this this acquirer. So there's always some risk mitigation that happens behind the scenes. And and I guess the acquiring company always has worries that customers would leave. And I, I think it does end up happening sometimes, but it's quite long, right? It, it doesn't happen one to two weeks or even one to two years, but it's, it's kind of a long road. But it, it just depends what kind of investment a company is willing to put into who they acquired, uh, you know what they saw, what what's the value that they saw in this, um, you know, piece of software a company that that they acquired, and and their plans are, and of course that's not always evident at at the beginning, like we see in in some of these acquisitions uh, these days.
0: Yeah, I think that's key, the time scale factor, because you see this very often that the first release, the first major release after an acquisition is often a very good one because we've suddenly got the funding to do all of the stuff that was on the backlog that we couldn't get to because we didn't have enough time, enough money, enough engineers. So you start to see the reality of how the acquisition is going to play out long-term in the major release after that one. So that's, as you say, at least 18 months, probably a couple of years in. And that's when you start to see the the real strategy start to play out. Is it conflicting with something else in the product offering? Is it going to get rationalized in that way? What's actually going to happen?
3: You know, I don't I don't completely agree. I think a lot of times if acquisitions go the opposite way. I've seen many times, uh, especially when I was at Cisco where acquisitions occur and the, the product does go away, it withers into never never land, it never comes back. That could be Linksys, Scientific Atlanta. It's when they go into verticals, perhaps, that they're they they should not be in and there's another acquisition from Cisco. I forget. It was a, a big hit before really the, the iPhone where these little, what was it? They photo cameras they would take to the award shows and record. I, I forget. Flip who it was. Very, yeah. Well, uh, I think so. Maybe. Yeah. But my point is, is I, I see this often and not just at Cisco of many other companies. So I, I think it all comes down to the strategy and the M&A team. There's some great M&A people. As a matter of fact, Cisco just lost somebody to SAP. I thought he was really good, uh, but it just really depends. So I don't, I don't think, in my opinion, it's fair to sit here and say, oh, they, they, they take these and very often they do something with them. I think it's maybe even the opposite, or maybe we don't see it sometimes because it folds into something. But I, I've seen in many times with these acquisitions the companies wither away into, like I said, never, never land.
1: So I think it really depends on what the rationale is for the acquisition, right? And that's something that isn't typically exposed um, in the press release and certainly not in the initial customer emails. Um, and you're right, Mike. I just want to say they they are absolutely canned. Um, I have written many a customer email, and they um, always say less than we would like to communicate. Um, I I think the um, if you're buying a set of software with a customer base with a idea that this is an entire business, you absolutely do not want it to disappear. In fact, I would say that the a, an intelligent M and A team over to try to make sure that the customers in that that you've acquired as part of this acquisition are happy and um, feel comfortable with the transition. Um, Sometimes that happens at a pace that isn't what anybody would desire, right? Because like there's a spread between sign and close and timelines and so forth. But, but, But typically that's the goal. And I think that, that when you do see things disappear into the ether, Zach, um, like in the situations that you're citing, and I, I'm not familiar with them directly, um, you might have actually been seeing an acquisition being done for a very different reason, and maybe another product in the portfolio, and they decided to um, uh, keep the main one and dump some of the ancillary ones, for example, or or maybe they were looking at an acqui-hire situation, which actually is, is real in certain parts of tech. Um, Um, or other or other rationales I think you actually see the business case in the outcomes that you guys are describing
0: yeah correct if it's just take a competitor off the table because we had some spare funding that we decided to use that way yeah you're not going to see that again but I don't think that happens as often as some of the conspiracy theorists yeah I I, I
1: agree with that and I think the other thing I would say is that customers particularly if you're not a um a minor customer, meaning like if if you actually have a significant amount of maintenance or or additional sales associated with the vendor, customers have a voice here more than I think um they're often using them and so i I think that most vendors again who are doing this right would love to hear from the top customers and and their concerns and the roadmap items
2: no and and i like i I would say from internally, I mean we're always looking at and, and to be honest, some. Sometimes when a software gets bought, yeah, we, we might start planning to move away from it. I think one of the things also that enterprise IT looks at and, and worries about is now here comes a company and potentially they're going to try to pivot us to a different software within their their family or try to sell us more. And, and that gets a bit much because I mean, they'll come in potentially either with existing or you know, counting and say, well, look, now we have these capabilities, so, you know, we've done good for you. And now you should move here, 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 there, not realizing everything that has, has happened. So, um, yeah, so we'll, um, we'll, we'll go from there, you know? So th- th- there's all these scenarios that we, we run through, so.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's I mean that's fair. People sort of this is what we would call a catalyzing event, right? In a lot of um sales processes and so forth. But um I I feel as though uh, th- knowing that you have a voice as a customer in these situations is important um and having a conversation with the ac- acquiring company um at the, when the moment is right, when the time is right. I think that I think that that makes sense as a strategy. Um, because most actually probably care in enterprise tech. I think Dominic's probably right. In consumer, it's a whole different dynamic. I don't think anybody cares whether or not I throw my iPhone in a toilet and call myself done with it. Like nobody cares about me. Um, but enterprise tech is very different.
3: So I will say this one last thing before we wrap this up. I, I'm part of an acquisition that finalized in late January. And I think it's how the acquisition occurs. So if I look at, I was talking about Cisco earlier, the acquisitions that were successful, these, these companies were kind of left uh, on their own you know, th- to do their own thing, right? So, uh, AppDynamics is an example. They had their own business unit, and they still kind of operate separately. Mike, to your point, they're they're still separate account managers. Uh, you look at uh, where I'm at now Juniper, you know, Mist as an example. So, I think I think it really depends on what they do with the acquisition, as well as the people. It really comes down to the people. You know, in this acquisition, there are people that are called uh, high value assets, and or everybody is a high value asset. So they don't want to lose the people. So I think they've learned a lot. But it just depends. I, I think you know um, we'll include in the show notes Forbes and, and what they've. Um, you know, I think I think they say not seventy to ninety percent of acquisitions fail. I think that number is probably getting lower. I just think it depends on how it's uh, brought into the fold.
1: High value assets. That is a terrible name for a human.
0: <laughs> human resources. Human resources. Oh God. But um, yeah, it's. It's an interesting thing to be part of MA on either side. And yes, your experience as a customer, as someone, an employee of the acquired company, whatever it ends up being, is going to be different depending on the intent behind it. And that will only play out necessarily in the long term. Um, but there's acquisitions where you bring things in. And there's also the opposite, where you push something out the door and people have to work out whether you still value it at all. Or not. And IBM has been doing a little bit of that and they pushed out a bunch of the business that they didn't feel was core anymore under the name of Kindrill. Uh, Leonard Skinner wants a word, but. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Lilac, I hate to call on you twice in a row, but I think (laughs) you're possibly closest to
1: this and can maybe comment most intelligently. I, I I don't know if that's true. Actually, my primary comment is that it's going to take me a year to learn how to spell that properly. Um, <laughs> I I uh, we knew this was coming, right? We knew that IBM had been yeah pity the poor
0: Kindrel employees who now have to train what? up their spell checker.
1: <laughs> right. Um, I feel as though you know it was Newco for a, a good long time, and now they've got a name and a brand. And I think you know these things are always so tricky to to come up with a name and a brand that is you know, as we know, it needed a URL, all the good URLs are gone. So you sort of were, you know, um, gated by that factor. But then all these branding decisions, I have been in branding meetings for years in my life, and they are so tricky and weird and a little bit like watching a Seuss there talk to you about fonts. Um, so I would just say, uh, I, I know it's really easy to take potshots at the whole thing, because it is hysterically funny. Um, but Please know that probably a gajillion people spent many, many, many hours trying to get that exact shade of orange and that exact font and that exact spelling, um, to all come together into this glorious new brand.
0: Yeah, that's probably pretty much the size of it. I and mean, IBM is such a fascinating company to watch, though, because they have all of this history and all of these different business units and different interests. Uh, it must be a nightmare to try and keep track of it all internally and try to tell a consistent story. And spinning parts of the business out is a way of simplifying that story, telling something that's uh, more unified, more recognizable to the market. So I do think it's probably broadly a positive move for IBM. question is how positive it will be for Kindrel and for its its customers who suddenly find themselves also having to learn how to spell Kindrel. I, I kind of, I
2: kind of hate it, right? I mean, I, I hate the orange. I hate the name. I, I, yeah. And to me, and and maybe I'm partial because I, I was part of the services group at IBM. And this is like the bread and butter that you're spinning out now. Uh, but okay, they're a changing company. I, I think they're still kind of on the the down right but yeah to go orange after you're like big blue and I, I i don't know i mean there's there's no brand that doesn't have like blue black or, or red in their in their logo so it's just it, it yeah i i think um yeah just just not happy i i don't um i i don't see it like such an awkward name such an awkward way of coming out but then again i i think because of where ibm is i think there's still kind of a lot of enterprise companies who are like yeah, we'll never talk to IBM again. So maybe you want it to be completely separated. So maybe that's why they did it. Not not, not sure. But, you know, I think it made a lot of news, but it didn't make a lot of news. I, I don't know how to put it. It's like, I, I think people um, just brushed
0: it off, right? So. It's been coming for a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Think about all the marketing that went into this. I, I've got to give a shout out to the marketing people. This is not easy. I went through this a couple months ago. How do we rename a product? I mean, I can't tell you the number of meetings that people go through. It's it's difficult. I mean, I I'm more interested in what happens with it. To your point, Mike, I think that is um that's going to be interesting. And you're right, it didn't make as much news as it would have made 15, 20 years ago. Of course, but I think even more importantly, what what does that really mean? I mean, their services arm I mean, where are they going? I I think there's more to this that's um that's going to come out.
2: Well, I think it's a lot of hosting business and, and then it's, yeah, I, I think cloud eating away at it and yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a different changing business, right? So that's why they, they spin it out to differentiate one from the other, right? And not everybody look at one and think that's the whole company. So, I, I mean, it makes sense long term. Uh, I, I don't know how much it'll achieve to to help IBM.
3: Well, who follows suit? So I think about a company like Cisco that has a big services arm as well. They have advanced services. They've tried to get into business consulting. There's been rumors there for a while. Hey, do they spin out their, their services arm. You, know, you have other companies in that space that have you know professional services, but not like Cisco. They, they've they got a very, very big arm. We saw what HP did where they sold it off to um, uh, – who did they sell it off to years ago? Um, oh, I forget. It's top of my no, time. I think HP. I think yeah. – I-
2: Yeah, I think HP, though, just spun out hardware, right? And I think IBM had done that a while ago, but
1: yeah. Mm, IBM spun out Lenovo. They didn't spin out servers.
0: Oh, that's true. Yeah, Yeah, we'd need to do a whole conspiracy theory, red threads going everywhere (laughs) thing to walk through the last 20 years of HP (laughs) before any of it made sense.
1: Though I will say, like the branding announcements associated with DXC, which HPE with CA Technologies um, like we all had this sort of laughy laugh moment with all of them, right? This is not an exception. We and yet we settled into them, and now everybody writes HPE instead of HP on everything, right? And we're we're okay with it. We just accepted it, and we moved on. Um, Accenture, like I remember all of these, like being just moments of great hilarity because we thought these names were just silly. Um, oh yeah.
0: The focus on the name I think is is a nothing burger. It's more about what goes in that box rather than the precise shade of orange on the outside of the box.
2: So I, I was at IBM when they acquired uh, PwC Consulting. The day before PwC Consulting was renaming their, their consulting arm to Monday. And then it was like, what? we bought Monday? What would just happened? And I, I remember it was uh quite an interesting wow, that was time with awful. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Nobody even liked Mondays. Like it was a weird, like, why Monday? What a terrible day. Like <laughs> yeah, Call
0: yourself Friday, then everyone will yeah. love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah they're, they're, it's extremely hard to get right. So what can you do?
0: A somewhat different story in the same vein is Dell spinning off VMware. So I kind of feel like this is just yo-yoing back and forth. Uh, It's in, it's out, turn it all about. I'm not clear on uh, exactly what's going on there. I do wonder though whether this is just perfect timing as VMware, sorry VMware people, but starts to lose its mojo, starts to become less relevant the the cloud computing conversation has moved on to a place where VMware isn't. And could this be just the right time that Dell gets maximum velocity off of VMware and doesn't get dragged down uh, by it? And we'll see also because VMware has its own bets around things like Tanzu, which has its own uh, mini-me spin-off is it, Is it, isn't it, a thing going on. I don't know. I just get very confused around all of these does any of you understand exactly what's going on there? I think it's been a bit
2: of a back and forth with Dell and VMware, right? And and I think VMware has uh, tried to differentiate themselves. I, I don't think they see them... Uh, I don't believe VMware sees themselves... Um, well, they probably think there's a threat from the cloud, but I think they're, they believe that they're becoming a cloud player, which I would... I would tend to argue with about kind of what they're doing. But, yeah. but they have some interesting pieces now with, with SD-WAN and and they're expanding into different areas kind of like you said. I think this is Dell trying to raise capital more than anything else. But I think it's a shame with VMware because I mean, um, CEO left for Intel, right? Because that was their CEO who just took over at yeah, Intel. Pat so, Gelsinger, yeah, Pat uh,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know if it's like Inappropriate timing for this, or or maybe that that's the catalyst. I I don't know. You you're, you're gonna say something, Zach?
3: Yeah, I was gonna say there, there's been a drain at VMware. There's a CTO that has left. Um, you remember their other senior executive went to Nutanix, and they're trying to sue him, right? Because they're saying that he brought you know something with him to Nutanix. That's right. That that's even- right. Yep, and you know, you've lost Skelsinger. Uh, not that it means anything, you, people come and go, but when you have a, a, I wouldn't call it a mass exodus, but when you have multiple senior leadership, your CEO and, uh, you know, a CTO and other people leave, it's, it's interesting. It says something. Maybe they foreshadowed this, I don't know. But, you know, let's remember that VMware was a part of EMC for a while, and that acquisition became part of Dell. Um you know, I think they have to, in my opinion, and I might get pushback on this, kind of figure out what they're doing and find themselves a little bit because now it's not just about cloud. I mean, cloud's the platform. We can argue this, and we'll talk about Microsoft in a minute, but it's now about, you know, uh, I think it's taken a step beyond that. So I think that, uh, yeah, maybe Dell's trying to raise money, or maybe Dell, you know, maybe there's something else at play here. But uh, it's going to be interesting for VMware.
2: I I saw one of the VMware guys get interviewed. Um... Oh, well, I can't remember the show, but I, I just listened to the interview and I was so confused. I, I didn't know, like, it's not the VMware I know, like the way they talk about cloud and what they're doing. And it's like, no, that, that's not the VMware I know. And that's part of the the more confusing piece of it is maybe they've lost a bit of identity. And to be honest, I don't know. And, you know, I think this is this is twofold. I think VMware wanted to break away from Dell and Dell wanted to push vmware away for the first time I, I i get the feeling like the relationship has lost something with um with some of the pieces that vmware has lost so you know i wouldn't put it like michael dell I like, i would not bet against right so
0: no no yeah. no, no so that, that's i think the most significant aspect so maybe it is just timing dell needed cash to do something else and vmware was an easy source of that i do think it, it feels like vmware had been losing altitude And this was the ideal moment for Dell to jump off uh, and get the maximum lift from VMware. But we'll see.
2: I I would have said a few years ago that VMware was the stronger brand than Dell. But I think Dell is the yeah, I think it's flipped. Dell is the stronger brand. I I think there's there's not a lot
0: of people are gonna complain too much about Dell. Even VMworld. VMworld used to be the must be there event of the cloud calendar. And reInvent has completely taken that crown. I haven't been to VMworld in a few years now, uh, but last time I was there, it, it felt dead. It didn't feel like where things were happening anymore in the way that it's had in previous years.
2: I would argue that Ignite is the, is the one to go to, but it's, well, if you it's want to
0: either... Soleil and <laughs> goggles. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
2: but I, but I think those are the two events where I think it used to be VMware world and Cisco live. I think now it's yeah. like Ignite, or do you go to uh, reinvent? I, I think those are the two events. This, the industry has shifted so much fundamentally Move to the cloud. Yeah. yeah. And some people haven't seen it. Right. So yeah. exactly. I think it's
1: VMware, at one moment in time was like a very much a monopoly player in what was increasingly, it's not a commodity business. Cause they have a, you know, they get a pretty penny for what they do. Um, but I never got the sense that they broke free from that core monopoly. Hypervisor. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's, it's a great business, right? Like it's genius. It was genius technology and a genius business, but I never got the sense that anything else quite landed beyond that.
2: Exactly. I, yeah, I, I would defer because I think Microsoft and AWS to some extent are turning it commodity.
1: Yeah, and, and I think I, certainly in cloud, that that I would completely agree with you. But, I, you know, very few, I mean, it took a long time for Hyper-V to have the standing in enterprise. It was always going to be next year, right? I remember the decade that we waited for that to come to pass. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and once it did, like, you know, great, hallelujah. But there there was that period where VMware was the darling because it was really the only game in town. Um, and. Somehow they did not manage to turn that into broader competitive advantage.
2: I, I think what's happening in enterprises too now is that people are looking at it and saying, like, "Hey, you pay this much for for VMware to VMware, and you realize you could just go to Hyper V, and it wouldn't cost you a thing because of all this other spend you have with Microsoft." And, and those are real conversations happening in real organizations. And I think that's the the whole threat to to VMware. Where, yeah, it's like, how how do you how do you hold down the trenches now when you know somebody's giving away something or not really giving it away but it's included in some other bolt-on where you're trying to get money for this so i you know i yeah cutting it off is kind of makes sense to me when i look at it from a from a macro level zach you want I, to say something?
3: yeah I, I agree with the hyper v comment but also Containers became their first real threat several years ago and they tried to prove that, oh, burn yeah. containers on, on VMware, right? It's gonna be better. We're gonna do all this and you keep your tool set. So let's just let's just talk about containers. I mean, that's a that was a threat and kind of is. But now let's talk about serverless. I mean, we, we haven't spoke about that, but we love serverless in this show that's another threat. I mean, people aren't really looking to, to buy hardware and put VMware on there. And, you know, VMware's whole play was, let's be the platform for your multi-cloud and everything else. But these multi-clouds are changing. Like I said a minute ago, you know, they're now providing things like serverless, you know, functions as a service and all these other all these other things. And so, I mean, do they have really have serverless, a Serverless, do you
0: need a virtual server? Yes,
3: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then, like, like I said, containers has also been a threat. So I, I think they're going through something. And it, it, I just look where there's smoke, there's fire. When when I see a lot of execs leaving a company, it's in a matter of three months, it, it's something going on.
0: Yeah, agreed. Anyway, we'll see how that plays out. And again, VMware has its own Tanzu other bets unit. So that is their bet on this future. And the question will be also culturally, as I was saying, how quickly can they disengage from the idea of a server as the unit of measure? But we'll see where that goes. We mentioned Pat Gelsinger briefly, who's moved uh, from VMware back to Intel. He was an old Intel hand from before. And one of the conversations about Intel has been can they regain their crown in the face of all of these amazing ARM CPUs, uh, notably, of course, the the Apple uh, chips, the M1 chip that's in the new laptops, uh, and the new Mac Mini, of course. Now, NVIDIA has come out with their own ARM um, server CPU, so that's on top of Amazon's Graviton CPU that they use in AWS. It's starting to look like there's a lot of ARM out there. x86 is not looking like the the solid bet that it has been for so many of the last few decades. Any specific thoughts on that? Or do we just flag that as interesting and move on?
2: No, and we're talking about the overall NVIDIA announcement now, right? Not just the one yeah or or, yeah i i I mean i think it was a this week was a powerhouse display by nvidia like all the announcements going into every single area i mean it's just incredible um i think the co is kind of visionary and i i think it just shows um there was even a, a different announcement i think me and zach were talking about where microsoft said that they're their surface, you can order it now with either ARM or Intel. So it's totally kind of, yeah, it, it, Intel struggling. I mean, what can you say? And I, I think, and you know, everybody looks at at Taiwan Semi, but I think, and Nvidia is the one that is really starting to look at this market in a different way. And I think they're just, yeah, they're just a powerhouse. And it, it's funny how they've gone from graphic cards to this this huge power player. So. Yeah, it's 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 just interesting. I don't know what else other people think.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things that's a little bit abstract uh, from where we sit. I don't think we're going to be doing anything with these chips for a little while. But it's the sort of thing that's going to change the weight of the industry uh, when it does manifest.
2: Yeah. By the way, they're saying that this this chip shortage is going to go at least into twenty twenty two and some. Some within Intel Nvidia and TSM, uh, TSM are saying that it'll go into 2023. I mean
0: it, Yeah. And it, Intel's now offering to help out automakers who are struggling for chips, which is a very interesting move.
2: Yeah, yeah. So they're 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 looking at other markets. So it's
0: uh, yeah, it's it's gonna totally
2: change. I, I think we'll be talking about this for a long time in different aspects. Um yeah, and the cloud players, I, I think their backbone's gonna change too based on all these announcements, right? Do they go themselves or because Nvidia is obviously uh, giving them something to whet their
0: appetite on. So let's let's see. Absolutely. They're promising them all these AI capabilities, which is, mm-hmm, of course, mm-hmm. one of the big things that people are looking for. And in that vein, and also back to m for a moment, uh, Microsoft bought Nuance. Uh, so Nuance, you may know them as the original creators of Siri, uh, which everyone loves to hate. Uh, but uh, yeah, $20 billion. Uh, that's uh, spicy even for Microsoft. It's, uh one of their biggest acquisitions. But it promises to help them out with AI, not necessarily in Cortana, uh, because Microsoft doesn't have nearly as much of a focus on that as uh, some of its peers. Uh, But they're talking specifically about healthcare, uh, which is a very interesting application with some ethical concerns. But then again, I'd rather have that. And this is a very strange thing for me to say. I just realized as I start to articulate my thoughts. But I'd rather have Microsoft do it than... Some crazy California startup where everyone's microdosing and worried about their <laughs> next VC round, right? Microsoft might put some grown-ups in charge of it.
3: Well, Microsoft, the acquisition is pretty big in healthcare. I think you know my wife is in healthcare and uh, they deal with Nuance on a regular basis. So Nuance is big, and they've made you know Primordial and a couple other acquisitions. But let's look at Microsoft from two years ago. They they failed in healthcare, right? They they had to say, you know what, we we failed. We can't compete with Epic. We can't compete with AllScript. So you know, our health vault is, uh, you know, it's not the thing. And so November of 2019, they bounced out. I think their reentry is interesting because healthcare is a big focus. You know, we've talked about Amazon and Google. Everybody's trying to get into healthcare, but their their entry is different than the others. I mean, they're, they're not providing that in healthcare. They're just saying, look, I see them going down this road of um, uh, maybe providing the services. I, I, it's interesting. You know, I think they're they've exited. I think some of those people are still there and they probably regrouped and said, okay, what do we want to do here? let's re-enter this we can't stay out of healthcare and let's enter it the right way I, I think this is very interesting from a healthcare perspective uh i get it is what 18 uh months out from from exiting so we'll see
2: i i think it's clear that there's a, a big war happening between microsoft and amazon um and i think mm-hmm. apple and google are like on the fringes but the war is like microsoft and amazon I didn't realize how much nuance was into healthcare, but when you start reading about what they're doing with Epic and some of these other companies and understanding uh, kind of voice, and, and, and because it goes more than conversational AI, and then you pin it back to some of the other announcements that Microsoft made around their own products and kind of tone and voice. I, this is just like Microsoft really got it right, I I, I feel. And they're just going to be able to incorporate this pretty much everywhere. And yeah, I don't know why, but I I think I I share what what you said, uh, Dominic. They're they're going to get it right. They kind of understand business more than the other players because they've been dealing with business for a long time. So it's like this this quiet um, kind of revolution in the Microsoft space. And all the others, everybody's talking to them about antitrust, and Microsoft has stayed under the radar. They do it quietly. You know, they they haven't even. I mean, if the others made an acquisition like this, they they would be on the news 24-7. They'd be bragging about it. Microsoft kind of stayed muted and like everybody else did the talking for them, which which is quite fascinating the way you, you see it play out. And I think we'll look at it long-term as, you know, they're, it, this is a different company under Satya. I mean, it's just firing an all oh, Totally. If, if you ask me. yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah, to me, it's uh, the most interesting uh, of the big companies right now under Satya and his strategy.
2: Which is why you want to go to Ignite and
0: not reinvent, see? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so wrapping up as we start to get to time, uh, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about what we were hoping for the Apple event. The Apple event didn't happen then, but it's happening this coming Tuesday, uh, the 20th, depending on when you're listening to this. You may already know what got released. I'm still hoping for that monitor. Uh, <laughs> I need to have a better monitor on my desk. I'm definitely hoping for an iPad Pro. I think that's the, the most plausible thing. And I'm not clear at all on what's happening with the uh, the tags. As they made this very weird announcement. Where they said, oh, there's uh, support and Find My, and here are three vendors, one of which only sells bicycles anyway, and you can't buy their stuff right now. You have to wait until June. So it was a very, very strange announcement from Apple. I'm waiting for Tuesday to get more clarification on that. But speaking of toys, my recommendation this week is the new LEGO Space Shuttle. Yes, I am actually 12 years old. um, But if I were 12, I wouldn't be allowed to play with this because it's 18+. plus. I don't recollect seeing uh, a LEGO kit with 18+, plus, but it is. Does it have
1: adult content in it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't found it yet, but, you know, I'm still building.
2: (laughs) Wait, I thought this was like your your kids, but you're going to help them,
0: but this sounds no, not no, like it's for you. They're not allowed anywhere near this. This is going <laughs> in my office. Oh my goodness, okay. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a seriously expensive piece of kit. I think it's a couple of hundred dollars. Uh, uh, yeah, no, no kids are allowed anywhere near this. Uh, it's mine, and I'm enjoying building it, and I still have many, many hours of building ahead of me judging by the number of bags that are piled up here, but uh, I'll let you know what it's like. Oh my goodness okay
2: yeah my uh my recommendation are uh there's some sunglasses out there uh tens.co where they're made by uh by photographers so the lenses are kind of um like i i would call them instagram filters so i i pick some up with the boulevard uh, lenses yeah it's just a, a different like happy experience I, I would call them happy glasses i think everybody should get a pair so yeah get yourself some happy glasses from tens.co
3: Hey, uh, really quick before I get mine, Dominic is spot on. Those are very popular. Those Legos. As a matter of fact, Dominic, where we used to work, we would give them away at trade shows. You know, people would sign up, and there would be a line of people for oh these God, Star Wars yeah. Legos. You remember the that Millennium line. Falcon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, unreal. So, yeah, kudos. I, I think that's great. Yeah, for me, it's you know it, we all have these water bottles, and you know you, you put the cap on there. We don't know, you know, what kind of you know uh, bacteria is in there or anything. They get kind of nasty. I think this is interesting I don't have one but I think I'm gonna buy one it's a UVC light uh, inside the cap that kills the bacteria in your water bottle so it, it's this cap this UVC cap that is self-cleaning you put it on your water bottle they have two different sizes yeah the water bottles the you know 16 ounce or uh, I think it's the uh, uh thirty two ounce you know they're, they're they're all the same right and it screws on there and there's a little light in the bottom and it kills the bacteria so you know I go on bike rides for example and things like that i I, I think it's interesting I, I like it.
0: I'm going to have to look into that one. You're right. My bike bottle sits there for a long time. I don't always remember to empty it and narrow it out properly after a ride. There are probably tadpoles and stuff in there. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez, (laughs) This water is chewy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, my recommendation this week is directly related to my personal experience. Go get your COVID vaccine if you can. I'm barely alive here two days later, but I, I finally emerged from the fog and glad to have it behind me. Um, If if they are available wherever you are, go get the jab and also take the day off the day after your second one because that's a little brutal.
0: I'm looking forward to that. But in the meantime, everyone, keep your test results negative and your attitude positive until you can get that shot. And get it for me too because I have no idea when I'll be allowed to. You can find more about us on Twitter at Roll4Enterprise with a number 4 or on our LinkedIn page, which is linked in the show notes. Our theme music is by my good friend Renato Podesta, and there's a link to his website in the show notes also. Uh, We are always looking for suggestions for topics or guests for future episodes, so send those our way. But until then, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody.
3: Thanks, everyone.